If you would take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, if you want to follow along in the Pew Bibles provided for you, that's going to be found on page 834, page 834. Uh, what we do systematically at the church is we work through books of the Bible. Uh, so we're working through the book of Colossians. Uh, so if you want to follow along with us, uh, the three is the chapter number, and we're going to be reading uh, verses, focusing on verses 20 and 21, which is the small uh, verse numbers. Uh, I'm going to start in verse 15 for context, and I'm going to be reading to verse 21. Uh, I'll pray, and then we'll dig in uh, to God's Word together. Hear the Word of the Lord from Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, Love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for life. We thank you so much for your word and the gift that it is. God, we thank you that we are desperate, <laughs> that we need your help, God. And in your grace, you gave us your word that, we, that gives us everything that we need for life and godliness, Lord. God, I pray that you instruct our hearts this morning. God, I pray that you encourage our hearts this morning. God, I know that we um, all come with different things on our hearts this morning. Some of us are burdened with sin. Some of us are worried about uh, health issues. Some of us have family members who are going away from you. But God, we ask this morning that your name will be praised on all the earth, for your name is majestic and magical and, and beautiful in all the earth, God. We ask now, Lord, that you will just impress your truth upon our hearts, God, that you will strengthen us according to the power of your Spirit, Lord, that we may live lives that are honoring to you. God, we pray that you continue to knit this church together, that we understand that how we live affects each other, and how we raise our kids affects each other, and how we live affects the children of others in this church. So God, we pray that your glory will be had this morning. God, we pray that your name will be praised. God, we humbly ask for your spirit to come. Father, have your spirit attend your word, because if unless your spirit attends it, God, we have nothing. God, we are desperate this morning for your spirit to come. Bring life, Lord. God, we pray that you will just get all the glory, Lord. God, I pray that you will just guard my words. Let me say what you want me to say. Let me hide behind the cross. And let me be a vessel for good use, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So God, we ask you to make much of yourself this morning uh, through your word. Help us believe and receive the grace in it. We ask this through the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, I love being a dad. <laughs> I love being a dad. It's one of my greatest joys. And as a father, Sometimes your kids say things and do things that are absolutely hysterical. You just you don't know when they're going to do and what's going to come out of their little minds. Uh, two Saturdays ago, I was going to pick up dry cleaning with my son, John David. Uh, it was about a five-minute drive, so we're, we're driving on, on India Hook, and 
all of a sudden he goes, hey, Daddy, wouldn't it be cool if we dug up underneath the ground and we found a magic drum, and when we played that magic drum, all our animals would come to life? You know, son, if we did that, that would be really, really cool. <laughs> um, you could probably share story after story um, about what happens in your home with your kids. My mom and dad always call me, give me a story, give me a BB and Johnny story. What funny thing did they do? But as much joy as parenting is, it's really, really hard. <laughs> parenting is extremely hard. Uh, when I, I was a young dad, maybe four years ago, and my old pastor said this to me about his son. He had three children. He said, I love my child to death, but there are some days that I want to punch him in the face. <laughs> and I'm like, from a holy, godly man, my pastor, um, but as a parent, there's sometimes when there's something in you wants that to happen. Now, praise God, you don't follow through on that. But the feeling is there because sometimes parenting is hard. You're discouraged. You're tired. You're sick of disobedience. You're sick of tenture, temp, temper tantrums. Parenting's hard. But I desperately, and I, I know that my, my parents in the audience know this too, I'm desperate to be a good father. I'm desperate for my kids to know God. I love their laughter. I love that when they call on me, when they cry, they want their daddy. I love that. But I need a whole lot of help in order to be a good dad. Amen? We all need help. And the more and more I read the Bible, the more and more I am shaken about the responsibility that God gives to parents. God has entrusted Elizabeth, John David, and Olivia to me to help them know Him. God has given me His creations, the people that, that he, he knows every hair on their head, every weakness, every strength. He's given them to me to raise them in Christ. And the challenge is huge. So I pray this morning, as we look at God's Word, that we will both um, be challenged and encouraged what God has for us this morning. We're continuing in our series on how we can make Jesus supreme in our lives. You know, we see that throughout the book of Colossians, but in verse 1, uh, 18, Paul says this of Jesus. He says, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. We want Jesus to be supreme over every area of our life in marriage, and in our parenting, in our homes. Jesus should be supreme in our home. And more specifically, Jesus should be supreme in how parents relate to their children. So this morning, we're going to look how we can let Jesus be supreme in our home. So, the first truth I want to show you from the text is we let Jesus be supreme in our home when children obey their parents. When children obey their parents. Look at verse 320 with me. It says, Children, obey your parents in everything. For this, for this pleases the Lord. You know, sometimes the Bible makes it so clear, doesn't he? It's just that simple. Well, just want to make a couple notes here. First, children are being addressed directly. So right now I'm speaking to children. 
There are children in church. So I think that points out a couple things. One, that we should have children as when they're of an age that they can understand to be in the service with us. Kids pick up a lot more than we realize. But two, I think what we can see here is that God holds them to a very high standard. You know, I think what our culture does in parenting, it says we lower the standard, right? But God says, no, children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Now, before I go into what this obedience does and how this looks, let me just say this. This is written to Christians. We find in, in, in Colossians 2.6, it says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. So he's writing to those who have received Jesus Christ as Lord, who have surrendered to him, who believe that Jesus Christ is God as Lord. Continue to live in him. One of the ways a child shows that he is in the faith is that he tries to obey his parents. Now, this is crucial for us parents to understand because children do not come out of the womb obeying, do they, right? They disobey regularly. You have to teach them to do that. And when we teach our children to obey, what we're showing them is that you're not perfect. One of the commands that God says, obey your parents in everything, well, kids don't obey. And when we, when we tell them not to, when they don't obey, we tell them that you're not um, right with the Lord. You have sinned. You are a sinner. So when I discipline my kids, I'm telling them that you are separate from the Lord because you are a sinner. But when I do discipline them, I have the opportunity to share with them the gospel. That the only way that you can be made right with God is if you confess your sins and trust in Jesus Christ, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. My job as a parent is to show that. And God gives us the law to show us we're not right. Before any of us become a Christian, we have to first realize that we have wronged God, that we're sinners. The same is true for our kids. We must help them understand their need for the gospel. So, this morning, what I want to show you, you can follow the outline uh, there in the back of your bulletin, Um, the reason why God requires this obedience is because obedience brings blessing. Obedience brings happiness in the home. I read this verse uh, a moment ago. I'll read it again. Um, Ephesians chapter 6. Colossians and and Ephesians are kind of written in parallel, right? The the, the message in Ephesians kind of helps us flesh out uh, what Paul is saying here in, in Colossians. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Paul goes back to the Ten Commandments, and it says, honor your father and mother, because this is the first one with a promise. What's the promise? That you will live long in the land. So obedience brings blessings to the child. When I teach my children to obey, I say, you need to obey me, because I want you to be happy. I want you to have a long life. I want you to be blessed. And when children disobey, they're in danger. We just need to hear that. So when I tell my kids, obedience is good for you. Now, how many times have you seen parents not discipline their kids and not teach them obedience, right? 
something in them wants to be told what to do. I've seen kids be raised, and when you talk to them as adults, I just wish someone would tell me what was right and wrong. They would teach me these things. We need to tell our kids to obey because we want them to be happy. Amen? But not only does obedience bless the child, it blesses the parents. Listen to these samplings of Proverbs. Proverbs 10.1, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is sorrow to his mother. A wise son makes a glad father. 15.20, But a foolish man despises his mother. And Proverbs 23.15 and 16, My son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. My inmost being will exult when your lips speak what is right. When my children are wise, when they obey, I am happy. So when I talk to my children uh, about obeying me, I say, you know, when you obey me, you make a happy daddy. When you disobey, it hurts me. You want me to be happy, don't you? Well, yeah, daddy, I want you to be happy. Well, then obey me. The motivation is I want my child to be happy. Now, that goes as kids get older, too. Children, can I say to you who are listening? Obey your parents because it blesses them. And I know you love your parents, so make them happy. Obey. If you don't know what to do, ask your parents. I will promise you they will let you know what is right. But something I also want you to see is that obedience also brings blessing to society. Obedience, when we teach our kids to obey, we bless the community at large. We do not live lives of isolation, do we? Our lives affect other people. Our actions or our inactions always have an effect on others. We live in community. Now, we all know this. That's the, the whole purpose of the church. We understand that. We've been talking about that. But our society has largely forgotten that, haven't they? What happens in Nebraska may affect me down the road 10 years from now if a child is not taught obedience. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3. But understand this, in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, appeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure than rather than lovers of God. That is a long list of some bad stuff. And right there in the middle, it says disobedience to parents. One of the reasons why our, our culture is experiencing difficulty is because children are not taught to obey. Our society starts to crumble. The backbone of every society is marriage and children, right? In the home. It's not the government, right? I would say it's not even the church. It's the, it's the home, and the home is expressed more so in the church. Listen to even Romans 1. Listen to what, what, what Paul says there about those who are full of evil. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish faithless, heartless, ruthless. Now, it should jar us a little that in the same sentence we see haters of God and disobedient to parents. When we don't teach our kids to obey, it doesn't just affect our society. It affects God. 
because obedience brings blessings to God. Look what it says in the text. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Isn't that what we want our lives to be? Paul says that in, in chapter 1, verse 10, right? That we, I want you to please the Lord in every way. Well, one of the ways, children, that you please God is by obedience. And if you're consistently not obeying your parents, the Bible says you're, you're not acting like you're a Christian. If you have given your life to Jesus, and I believe children can and should and, and do, then you need to obey your parents because this pleases the Lord. So obedience is important. That's, 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 that's not what I'm trying to tell you. Okay, obedience is important. But how does this work? How do, how do we bring about this obedience? Well, we do it through discipline and instruction. We bring about obedience with discipline and instruction. Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We must bring our children up in the ways of God. We cannot allow disobedience. Disobedience um, hurts our children. So you'll see me and my wife, if you ask my children, why, does mommy, why do your mommy and daddy discipline you? Their response will be because they love me. We never discipline, we, we try not to discipline when we're angry, right? It doesn't always work out, but we want to be calm, and I want to say, son, I don't want to discipline you, but I have to because I love you. This is not the way of the Lord. Now, sometimes we, we don't want to discipline our, parent, our kids because we think we're going to hurt them, right? Right? I mean, that, that's a popular myth in our culture, isn't it? Well, if you discipline your kids, they're going to, they're going to turn out to be, you know, prisoners later, right? You're going to hurt their self-esteem. But listen to what Proverbs 23 says, or 22 verse 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it from him. We drive away foolishness with our discipline. And then listen to Proverbs 23, verse 13 and 14. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol, from death. Our culture makes us believe that discipline is bad. Even this past week, there was a law that was passed in Delaware that could... um, imprison parents for disciplining their children with a rod, with spanking, as a felony. That's where our culture is going. Do you see why things are, are amiss, are astray? But if you want your kids to be saved from uh, death, discipline. And where does this discipline and instruction happen? Two places, in the home and in the church. One of the things I've been trying to show you again and again is that how you live matters. How you live matters. Because my kids come here and they look to you on what it means to be a Christian. I show them in my home, but they come here and and they're going to either see the truth of Christianity displayed in this church or they're going to see the truth of Christianity lied about if we don't treat each other with respect and with grace. So if you walk by my kids with a scowl every Sunday, what is that telling them? That you're not happy in the Lord, right? Be happy in the Lord. See, but I think that's why, you know, in a child dedication, we ask you to stand because I'm holding you accountable to help them, right? Because I want Wesley's life to be saved. 
from death. So we should care about how we live in this church, which means we should probably come more often. We should make this a regular place on Sunday morning. But it's also in the home. I think primarily that's where, that's where discipline and instruction happens. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. With these words I command you today shall be on your heart, parents. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk with them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a, a sign on your hand, and you shall be on frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and your gates. Primarily, discipline and instruction in the Lord happens at home. And what our culture has done is that we use the church as the babysitting service on Sunday morning. We expect all discipline to happen at church. The church is just to supplement what you're doing at home. It's not to replace it. So parents, you should be having Bible study with your children. You should be having family devotions. Now, some of you may not have children in the house. Grandparents, look at our our front bulletin, right? Grandparents can read the grace of God and the gospel to your children, right? You're never too old to impart the truth of God. How many times have I said it, right? Age is not a weakness. It is a blessing, right? I, I, I try to tell you time and time again, impart the truth to the next generation. You have that opportunity in this church. And not only to children, but to young men like myself. Have you made some mistakes in parenting, in fathering? Why don't you pull me aside, buy me lunch, and say, let me, let me tell you something. Here's the mistakes. I mean, don't buy me lunch. I'll, I'll pick up the tab, right? That preacher wants food. I do want food, but here's what I'm trying to say, right? Share with me your mistakes. Why? So I don't repeat them. Listen, we're all forgiven in Christ. All our sins are forgiven in Christ. We should not look back and we should look at them and grieve those sins, but we should use them to teach others, right? Share with the mistakes that you made so I don't make them because you're going to benefit not only my children and my, and my wife, but you're going to benefit this church. This church will be stronger if you have more godly men and women raising their kids in the fear and instruction of the Lord. Well, there's plenty more I could say, but we must move on. Um, we let Jesus be, point number two, we let Jesus be supreme in our home when fathers give hope to their children. When fathers give hope to their children. Verse 21, fathers do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. One would think that Paul addresses children, you would think that he would address parents. But he doesn't address parents, he addresses fathers. And that's very interesting because fathers are the ones who are responsible for the instruction in the home. He could have said parents, which is interesting because parents, mothers usually spend more time with the children, right? And probably do a better job at raising them in the fear and discipline of the Lord. But he says, fathers, it's your responsibility. Historically, fathers have always been the priest of the home to teach the kids the, the, the truth of the Lord. We must give our children hope. So how do we do this, right? Well, first we must look at what does it mean to be discouraged? We don't want lest they become discouraged. A discouraged child is one that feels like he cannot please his father. It feels like it is impossible to do right. Someone who is broken-spirited, despondent, hopeless. 
I've seen this. I've experienced it when I was a football player in college, right? You know, when, when, no matter what you do, you don't feel like you could do it enough, right? You can't never please them. So what happens when you think that you can't please somebody? You stop trying. That should not be in our homes. So let me look at, let me give you um, three things, right? One negative way and, one, and two positives. So negatively, um, we give our hope to our children by not embittering or provoking them. You know, the word for embitter here in the Greek is used to arouse, provoke, stir up, to make resentful. So, fathers, what ways are you provoking your children? Let me, there's many ways. Let me give you three. One, being overcritical or constantly criticizing your children. When you constantly criticize your children at every turn, what they're not doing right, what ends up happening to a child, they become discouraged. Like I said, I experienced that in college. I remember um, making a one-handed catch in college, right? It's one of those catches that you only make once in a lifetime, and I'm like, man, that was awesome, right? You come back to the huddle, and what do you expect to hear from your coach? Great job. What I hear? Hey, next time, catch it softer. Catch it softer? Did you see that? That was incredible, right? So it's like you stop giving up. You just give up. Well, I'm not going to please you, so why do I even bother? Well, that's with a coach, and that discouraged me. How much more so with a father? Fathers, don't be overcritical of your children. Don't have unrealistic expectations. Now, children are commanded to obey their parents. That doesn't mean that you have to give them ridiculous commands. If I told my three-year-old son, I want you to go outside and I want you to take the trash can that's full of garbage and I want you to wheel it down to the bottom of the hill. Now, my son can't even reach the top of the trash can, right? He can't do that, right? We need to be wise in what we ask our kids to obey. And one other thing I would say is when we withhold affection or we neglect our kids, we discourage them. Kids need to be hugged by their dads. Kids need to be loved. Kids need positive words of affirmation, right? Now, that may be hard for some of you because you may not have had that in your home. But let me tell you, I've seen the effect on men. Encourage your children. Well, there's other ways I could say, but here's the best way to figure out how you provoke your child. Ask your wife, right? Your wife knows how you stir up your children. So humbly, graciously ask, how do I provoke the children? But ask with a willing and receptive heart. Because usually when I ask that question, I have all the butts ready. But you don't, but, but it, leave the butts out, right? And just ask your wife how you provoke your child. Well, let me give you two positive as we move to a close. You know, there's two positive things that we're trying to do here. We want to give our kids hope. But we don't want to just give our, our hope like the culture does. Because our culture loves the word hope. But they don't really understand what hope is. We want to give our kids hope in God. That's what we want. We want them to know and believe in God. Listen how one pastor says it. Here's what I mean. Paul's teaching makes it clear that when he says we should be fathers who give hope instead of discouragement, what he means is hope in God, not hope in money, hope in popularity or hope in education, hope in a spouse or hope in professional success. If you had to ask Paul or Jesus, what kind of freedom from discouragement do you want our children to have? He would not have said, I want your children to be freed from discouragement by, feeling, by being filled that they will become wealthy, that they'll become well-known, 
intellectual or married or successful. We know that is not what he means. We need to be the kind of fathers who do not encourage your children, but rather fill them with hope in God. And how much in our culture says, as long as my children has a good job, my child gets married. No, the bottom line is parents, we want our children to hope in God. So two ways that I can give you as we close, how do you get your kids to hope in God? Firstly, I would say, you do it by having hope in God yourself. The best thing you can do for your children is to love God and to love his gospel, to love his word, to rejoice in salvation, to know that you have been a sinner, that you have been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you trust and hope for eternal life through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Live in that. Your kids will watch you. They'll examine you. And you know what? They'll get a taste of it. They'll get a taste of it. Show your kids what it looks like to hope in God. And lastly, I would say this. We need to show our children the generous love of God the Father. Fathers, did you know that part of the the, the great responsibility that God gives to, to fathers is that you have the opportunity to commend fatherhood to your children? Because the Bible calls God Father. And we want our kids, when they hear the word Father, to think good things, to think blessed thoughts. Now, that does not happen in every situation. But if you still have children in the home, if you still have children alive, your opportunity is to commend to your children the name of God as Father. It's a tremendous responsibility. And I think we must never underestimate that power. Fathers, you have a tremendous gift that God has given you to show fatherhood to your children. And even as we think about this, we're thinking about how the the Father loves us. We, We can't help but think about how the generous love of God has been expressed to us because He gave us His only Son. That's what we're celebrating here today in the Lord's Supper. We celebrate that Jesus Christ was given to us by God to make a way to God through his life, his death, and his resurrection. So we come here to communion knowing that someone's life was crushed. The Bible says that Jesus' life was crushed with our sins and his blood was spilled that we could have hope in God. Fathers, we want to show the generous love of God because God has shown it to us in Christ. As we move to communion, let me just say this to those of you who may not have had a good father. Maybe some of you may have struggled with your own ability to be a father. Can I just say this? That even if you don't have a good earthly father, a good biological father, in this church there are plenty of godly earthly fathers. The Bible says that we are a family. We have mothers and brothers and sisters and brothers in Christ. So if you don't have a good example, look to godly men in this church and what it means to be a father in Christ. I do. I look to men in this church and what it means to be a good godly father in Christ. But also we must look to God the Father because even if you don't have one earthly You have one in God, the perfect Father, who models what it looks like for a relationship with His Son. 
He has given us so much. It says this in Romans 8, 15 and 17. You do not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you receive the spirit of sonship. By him we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself testifies within our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in the sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. The Bible says you've been given the Spirit of God. You are sons. You are sons of God, heirs in the inheritance in heaven. 